Hi, this is Brad Harris, host of the Legacy Mindset Podcast. Thank you for joining us. What is Legacy Mindset? You see, most people are trying to go from survival to success without ever thinking of the next level, which is significance or your legacy. So in this podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to go through those three levels. We're going to talk about the three mindsets to get you to that pinnacle, which is significance or your legacy. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you could share this podcast with either your friends or your family or post it on social media, that would be greatly appreciated. And that's how we can get the word out. Okay, great. Now let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to the Legacy Mindset Podcast. Brad Harris, your host here. Exciting about being with you today. Um, you know, it's October 5th now, 2021. You know, it is officially now fall. Like I said, the days are getting shorter. Pretty soon, uh, next month, we're going to put you know push the clocks forward here in Kansas City. So that'll change everything. It'll get dark. And so it's just the time of year, the last quarter of the year, so it's really, like I said, I think I talked about this last time. It's a great time to reflect on the year. It's a great time to, you know, to see where you're at in your life. And one of the big things that we've been talking about on here, we had it on the last podcast, is negotiating your way to success. And just kind of looking at your life and, and, and seeing how you negotiate. And this is the second part. If you hadn't listened to the first part series, which was negotiating your way to success, go back and listen to that. This will kind of tie into that. I think it's such an important subject to talk about because life is, is it's all it is, is a negotiation, whether it's with your wife, your husband, your kids, whether it's with your family, whether it's with your business, whether it's with your church, always, always, always negotiating. Now, if you think about the last or last podcast, like I said, real important that you go back and listen to it. So you this, this podcast makes sense to you as we go to part two of this which I call the five negotiating skills, which we're gonna to cover today. But if you look at last podcast, we talked about labeling, what that is. We talked about mirroring. We talked about black swan information, finding out the black swan information. We talked about that's right, instead of you're right, that's right. We talked about the F-bomb, you know, the fair bomb. He was like, that's not fair. Okay, we talked about how to deal with all of those right there. So go back and listen to that. And now we're going to get into some negotiating skills. On this podcast, we're going to talk about the three types of negotiators. We're going to talk about the three kinds of yeses that you're going to get, which is real interesting. We're going to talk about in negotiation, the Pinocchio effect. You all know the Pinocchio, right? Line. We're going to talk about how to watch the sidelines to detect lies. We're going to talk about how that looks. Okay, how you can negotiate your way to success with that. And then, of course, we're going to talk about having to talk about those difficult confrontational negotiations. And like I said, that could be wife, your, your son, your daughter. It could be anybody. We're constantly negotiating. That could be a tough thing. You're trying to negotiate on buying a house, signing a lease. You're trying to negotiate. Right now, guys, I'm, um, I just moved into a new house here in Kansas City. Okay, it's actually on Lee Summit. And I just moved from my other house. Well, I moved in this house and I'm still selling my other house. Okay. And so right now, as we speak, I'm in negotiation. I have a contract 
Okay, and we're in negotiation on the price of the house that I'm selling. Okay, so I've used a lot of these skills, okay, as I listened in this negotiation. So it's very helpful in everything you do in life as you do this. So here we go. You guys ready? Okay, get your pens out and let's get started. The first thing we're going to talk about is the three type of negotiators. And these are the three types of personalities that you're going to deal with anytime. It's important to know these three types of negotiators. It's, it's really important to recognize what type of negotiator someone else is, is when you're working with them. Each person or each type responds to negotiation situations differently. I think one of the greatest things that I've learned in my personal development journey and to have that legacy mindset, in other words, to go from survival to success, to being significant is to learn people, is to learn their personality types, their types that they are. The more you can study people, it's just what I made a life doing. It's like, make a life. I'm telling you, if anything you do, just study people. People make everything go. They make a product go. They make a business go. It's the people you need to figure out. And negotiation is so important. So here's the three types. Number one, the assertive. You guys all know this. Okay, the assertive in negotiation is, it is all about winning orientated. He's often direct and blunt to the point of being harsh. You guys deal with this person? You know who I'm talking about? Maybe it's you I'm talking to, right? This type is generally lacking in empathy. Remember we talked about tactical empathy. Once again, go back and listen to that, uh, the first podcast here, but tactical empathy, but he just, he's lacking in this. He sees, he sees time as money. They get big victories early on, but then they burn people out. These are the type of person you go in negotiation with. That's why you don't want to be this person. That they take you. They negotiate you. They get you. And then later you feel like you got, you got taken by the person. And you'll never go into a deal with him again or her again. They ultimately drive people, relationships, and opportunities away. If you're this type of negotiator, you really need to look at now. There could be some great things in being this type because, because you are direct and to the point and get things done right. But because you lack empathy and because it ultimately you drive people, you drive people, your relationships away. People don't ever want to negotiate with you ever, ever, ever again. And guys, if you come into the contact with an assertive and negotiator, okay, you're going to have to be on your toes. You're going to have to really use some of the stuff, tactical empathy with them, repeating words back to them, okay? Really, really working with them, but you can win with these people, but the assertive, know what you're getting into when you get in with this person, okay? They don't like weakness. They will jump on weakness. So this is the person sometimes you've seen, a lot of times you see movies and those kind of those tough, hard negotiators but they ultimately lose and drive people and opportunities away. So know that. And if that's you, you really need to study the first one that we talked about and really learn some of the tactics of the F-bomb, of how to handle with tactical empathy. Number two, the analyst. This is also a win-orientated also, but, but just not as in your face as you sort of is. They love data and detailed presentations. So if you're going to go in with an analyst, you need to have all your numbers. 
if you're selling something, you need to know the model, the make, how many miles, everything about your car that you're selling to this type of person. Okay, this type of person wants to know everything. If you're selling a house, if you're selling, if you're doing a lease, if you're doing anything you're doing, they want all the information. Did they view time this way? As long as it takes to get it right. They, they have to sometimes sit on stuff. They will think things over. They often, they often seem cold and distance, but they aren't. They're always prepared or they won't talk to you until they are. This is a person that you can't just go right into negotiation with or off the cuff, okay? This is a good negotiator. If you can put, oh, by the way, if we can put all these together that we're talking about here, you'll be very, very powerful. Sometimes you need to be an assertive. A lot of times you need to be the analyst, but you got to know who you're negotiating with. What are they? What do they like? So if you're going in to negotiate with an analyst, you better have your numbers. You better have everything down in detail and they're going to love you and they're going to trust you. And then you have the third one, which is called the accommodator. Now, this is a little bit of me. This is what I am. Okay, I'm, I'm a great accommodator, but I, I have the other two in me I can use, right? But the accommodator is a relationship orientated and the most likable. Being likable is a great asset, guys. We talked about it in the first podcast. Needing to be liked is a great, also a great vulnerability. So you have to be very careful if you're a combinator because if you got this need to be liked, you can be taken advantage of in a negotiation. Especially when a assertive smells that. When a assertive smells that kind of stuff, they'll just walk right over you. Okay. You know, uh, the great author, Stuart Diamond, Stuart Diamond, which is a great author, it's called Getting More, the book is. He says people are six more times likely to make a deal with someone they like. Think about that right there. People are six more times. You know, guys, we just bought this house and it's got a, we just bought this house and it's a beautiful home. And, and there were several offers. And in fact, when we made an offer of this house, okay, there was two other cash offers for this house. But when we came and looked at the house, Okay, two things. They had their real estate agent here because there's a lot of valuable art in here. They had their real estate agent here to kind of watch. Okay, the real estate agent, their real estate agent, not ours, because ours was there and, and theirs was there, liked Pam, my wife, so much that they told the buyer to take the us over the other ones. One of the greatest assets you can have in negotiation, people's got to like you. They just love Pam. Pam has that incredibleness. People love her. She's got that accommodator type of negotiation. And so it was such a, it was such a powerful, they came back and they said, you know what, we had two cash offers and we, we just love Pam so much that we took your guys's. Okay, so just incredible guys, incredible. It's no small edge to have this type of this type. If you learn this, and that's where tactical empathy comes in so much when you negotiate. Do people really like you? And you think about guys, people you bought cars with, people you bought a home with, you know, people you bought, you just like them. And you just want to do business with them. You actually pay a little bit more money just because of them, because you like them. 
So those are the three types. And, but, but also know this about you, if you're an accommodator on here, if you're listening to me, you're an accommodator type person. Because of a desire to have a good relationship, accommodators can find themselves either getting pushed around or not making good deals. They get taken. So you got to have some of that analyst sort of in you. So this is just, this is like, you know, kind of like when we talk about the, the four types of personalities, okay? When you, you got to have a little bit of all of them. But I think you lead with the accommodator and that's lead with tactical empathy. It's very, very powerful. So know who you're dealing with. First thing you want to do in negotiation, who are you dealing with? Who is these persons? Okay, now when we go in negotiation, we want to talk about the three kinds of yeses. And so anytime you're, you know, you ever been in a negotiation deal when they said yes, okay, and, and it wasn't a yes. Okay, so we're going to talk about the three types and you need to recognize these. And I'm, I'm, by the way, these are three types. I'm not just in negotiation deals. This is with your kids. This is big with your kids or your wife or your husband. Okay, these are huge when you're talking to people. The first is what we call, okay, the, what we, which we call the, let's see, let me get the three types here pulled up. Okay, so first one is what we call the commitment. Okay, the commitment. This is what, you know, this is kind of what we're seeking in the very, very beginning, the commitment one. Okay, and anytime you have a commitment, okay, type of yes, that's when it's going to happen. So you're seeking to get to the commitment, yes. The one that they're going to do it, okay? And how you get there is going through the other two. Now, the first one is the confirmation, yes. Okay, somebody says something, they say yes, but you want to confirm it. And you want to come, they, you know, Chris Foss in his book, you know, Never Sweat the Difference talks about you want to do it three times, okay? So, so it'd be something like this. Does this look like something that would work for you? And they say yes. See, and you want to form questions like this as you go along. Okay, so this is going to work for yes. Okay, so if we go to this point here, this will work for yes. Three confirmation yeses will get you a commitment yes. Because the one you don't want is a counterfeit. It's the quick yes, too quick. You know a counterfeit. You know a counterfeit is yes when they can't answer how. Write that down. You know a counterfeit is 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 a counterfeit yes is when they can't answer how. So it's like, well, how are we going to do this? Well, I don't know yet. How are we going to get the money on this? I don't know yet. That's a counterfeit yes. And it's probably because you tried to get a commitment yes. The commitment yes is a very dangerous yes because what they're doing is they don't want to commit. And because you try to get to commit, it's like, it's like, you know what? I want to cover some of these commitment yeses, but you want to write this down in your notes. You want to seek a no. You want to seek a no. That's what you're looking for is get no to get to a yes. And we'll talk about this. So write that, keep that down in your own. See, human beings have been conditioned to experience feelings of safety and security after saying no. Based on their experience leading up to the interaction with you. So it's like, 
What you're wanting to do is getting people to say no, and this is very interesting, instead of yes, the commitment yes. See, people are most used to giving counter for yes because they've been trapped by the confirmation yes so many times. It's like when somebody calls you on the phone and says, you got five minutes, and you go, yes, boom. Now you committed. People don't like that. They're trapped. They're trapped, right? So the way you master no is understanding what really happens when somebody says no. When yes is commitment, no is protection. Write that down. When yes is commitment, no is protection. People know yes is commitment, no is protection. If I say no, if the kids say, hey, can I go down to, okay, can I go down to my neighbor's house and spend the night? You're like, no. Because yes is commitment. No is meaning I need more information, right? And if you're a good negotiator, you know that you want to get a no so you can get to the objections or get to the real reasons, the black swan information that we talked earlier. So think about these guys. This is a study. Remember, this is a study type of you know, topic that we're talking about negotiation. Remember I told you, I, I take a subject and I just study it. And you just want to get good at something. You want to master this. You want to totally, totally, totally master this. You know, they said, they said the, you know, you guys ever seen the Blue Angels, the fighter pilots for the Blue Angels, they fly in that, you know, those formations where it looks like, oh my gosh, if one person makes a mistake, they're all dying, right? Because they're just like, you know, you know, wing to wing at, at these incredible speeds. And they talk about how they do that. And how they do that is they practice, practice. They said it takes 63 to 65 impressions on the brains to lock in a practice, to lock in a circuit. And so they just do something over and over, do it over and over and over. And they do it in simulators, of course. And they do it over and over until it becomes muscle memory. Take 63 to 65 times to do something, sometimes on these negotiation skills. It's just, it's huge when you look at this and you're trying to, you're trying to align this and trying to be able to be good at, you know, good at this. Okay. Okay. So let's kind of get this. It's kind of fun. So let me, okay. Let's talk about this. Yes. And no commitment, right? Yes. is commitment. No is safety. Right. So switch your switch to no orienting questions. Let me give you some example. I just took give you an example. I'll go. Can I, you got five minutes to talk. That's yes. They don't want to say that. Right. Or they've been trapped in that. Right. So here's how you would say that. Is now a bad time to talk? See, they'd say, no, I got time. Or they would say it's a bad time to talk. Here's a great one. Would it be ridiculous to ask for whatever it is? <laughs> would it be ridiculous to ask for a late check-in or a late check-out on my hotel? See, they'll go, no, that'll be fine. See, you're getting them to say no. Here's a great one. Are you opposed to moving forward with this project? No. That wasn't a yes, was it? No, let's move forward. See, no is protection. Here's another one. Is this out of the question? No, it's not out of the question. And that's on any deal. <laughs> is this out of the question, you know, to ask for this? And they may say yes. If they say yes, then you know it's out of the question, don't you? At least you know where you stand. 
ask no question. Using no orientation question is a secret weapon. It's like there's just all kinds of ways that we can that we can substitute this, okay? Okay, instead of saying, do you agree, say, do you disagree? No? See how they can say no? Instead of saying, would this work for you, say, is it ridiculous to think this would work for you? I know you think that sounds crazy, but until Chris Boss talks about this, these things work every single time. And we use these words, would this, would this work for you, Joe? And they, you're forcing them to say yes. But if you put it in no way, say this, right? Is it ridiculous to think that this would work for you? And you say it that way too. You say it in a way of open end. Here's another one. After everything I've laid out, does this look like it would be helpful to you? Or you could say, after everything I laid out, does this look like a bad idea? Oh, no, no, it doesn't. See the difference? And Chris Voss talks about this in, in any negotiation or anytime you're working with someone. He said, this is a classic line right here, a classic line. Have you given up on working with me? It's a classic no question. Have you given up on working with me? No, 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 I haven't given up on it. Have you given up on this deal? No, 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 no. No is the secret weapon gang. Critical. Okay, I'm gonna give you some more. I love these applicables. Like I said, this is a different type of you know podcast than what I'm doing. I'm usually talking about personal development, it's mindset, right? This is actually tactical stuff. So let me give you some yes seeking and no seeking. Okay, I'm gonna continue. Okay, do you have a few minutes? Is this a bad time? I'm just gonna gonna go over them right here. Do you um, do you agree? Or do you disagree? Do you want blank or are you against? See the difference? Is this a good idea or is this a bad idea? That's a no orientated side. The yes side would be, does this work for you? The no side would be, does this screw everything up? No, no, it doesn't. Can you is a yes seeking question or is it ridiculous for me to ask? is a no-seeking question. Is this correct? Is a yes-seeking question. A no one would be, am I out of line here? No. Here's a no-seeking question. Would you take this action? You know, would you take this action, right? Or you could say, are you opposed to whatever the action is? Are you opposed to moving forward? Or would you, would you like to move forward? Or you could say, are you opposed to moving forward? No, I'm not opposed to that. Does this make sense? I do this, this one a lot. I had to change this. Okay, does this make sense, Mary? She's gotta say yes, right? In, in, in a no way is this, is this ridiculous? No, no, it's not ridiculous. Remember, 63 to 65 times using this because it becomes your part of your talk. Would you still like blank or could you say, have you given up on blank? No, I haven't given up on that. Do you see how you can do no questions? Write these down. 
Start practicing, practicing with your kids. Start practicing these. It'll seem a little bit against because you're used to going for yes questions. Now, what I wanna talk about a little bit now, okay, is, is ask how questions to get to the why. This is number two, okay? Number one was right, okay, the three kinds of yeses, okay? Of course, first of all, we went over the three kinds of negotiators. Now we're, we talked about three kinds of yeses, right? Now we're gonna talk about basically how to ask questions to get to the why. See, one of the things we do in negotiation and talking to people, and I've done this a lot, is when, what, where require short answers. Why questions can be accusing. We ask why questions when we think someone's doing something wrong. It's like, why did you do that? And, and so when you do that, you're thinking you're getting to a negotiation. It's like, why, why did you do that? Why are you doing that? One of the biggest techniques you can do in anything that you do is use how questions or what questions are where. Okay, he talks about, Okay, it's like somebody, like he talks about a negotiator, right? It's like, it's like, hey, listen, I need a car, I need a million dollars, and I need that in two hours. And he says, all you have to do to that person to get that, the short chain, to, to get his brain to start going on your path is like, Joe, how am I supposed to do that? And then it puts it in his lap. Instead of saying, why are you being so pushy? Why are you, why are you wanting a million dollars? Why, see, that's, that's accusing them. How am I supposed to do that? Write that and start saying that to anybody. How am I, somebody says, hey, I want the 21,000. Joe, how am I supposed to do that? Especially if you think it's a ridiculous offer. Oh, I, I want uh, a 2,700. I actually did this in lease for a nutrition company. So they want 27, 2,700. His name is Frank. I said, Frank. How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to do that? And he's like, well, you know, to be profitable, Frank, how, how, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to do that with my guy? He's like, well, we can, and now he starts answering the question for me. This allows you to push them as far as they can go. They'll start negotiating themselves down if you use how questions because it puts them thinking, puts it in their lap. It's a classic, classic negotiating skill. Start using it. How am I supposed to do that? It's a classic, okay? It's just, like I said, these are things, like I said, that I started putting in my repertoire. I started putting in when I'm talking. I study this. Because why? I want to be, I want, I, I want to be more powerful. And not that I'm trying to do, take somebody. Remember the, you know, fairness, the F-bomb? I'm not trying to be unfair. I'm just learning negotiation, learning how far I can push someone. How far did they, they really want? The classic, classic, classic. Okay, the next one, okay? Okay, the next one. We went over a couple of them now. Number three is like negotiating concept theory. Number three is this, the Pinocchio effect. 
One of the things in your, of course, you do this with your children, okay? Teenagers, right? Maybe it is boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. It's the Pinocchio effect. It's when someone uses, okay, it's when, are they lying? Are they lying? Are they lying to me? You think they're lying to me? And one of the great classic things you can figure out is someone lying. Now, this is not 100%, but it's most generally. It's when someone uses more words than necessary to give you an answer. So the more effort that they go to convince you that they're telling the truth, the more likely it's that they're lying. It's a great when you like when somebody starts like trying to convince me on something. I know is probably some not truth in here. They're trying to push me towards something. There's something there. That's that intuition, the Pinocchio effect. Listen for that. By the way, remember when you lie? If you've ever lied, especially as a child, you're trying to commit. But dad, I'm telling you, I I didn't do that. I didn't. Uh, it's like. Mm trying to convince them i'm trying to because because i know i'm lying i think i got to give more proof because it's not true you've been there before have you i know you have it's crazy it's crazy isn't it it's crazy how we are there's something other that guy I, I think this is golden right here this is golden okay it's number four here it's like Watch the sidelines to detect lies. This is in negotiation. If you're in negotiation with a husband and wife and they're sitting with them or two people with them, this could be like you got two teenagers and you're trying to figure out what went down and you got them both sitting down and you're talking to them. And you're talking to the one. Here's the key point in understanding this. The people that are off the point of focus are going to be ridiculous, unguarded in their body language because they're not being paid attention to. So if I'm talking to a husband and wife that's sitting there, if I can kind of pay attention to the wife, see, they're used to having all their eyes on the person that's being spoken to, the, the primary point of contact. I'm talking straight to the husband. So you're going to get some real honest body language from the other side. You can kind of look at the wife and she, you can tell that she's nervous because he's lying. She knows it. Or the teenager, the other one, he's lying and I know it. And they're not guarding their body language like the person that you're talking to. So the off person is so good. In any negotiation skills, you should have two people there. Chris Voss talks about anytime you're negotiating, okay, because there's black swan information that sometimes you can't hear. He said, if we're on a negotiate with a hostage, the point, the guy who's talking on the phone to the hostage, He's the least most important person. The most important person is the sideline guy. The guy sitting here listening to the conversation because you're in the heat of the battle talking. The other guy can hear stuff that's that's presented that the other guy didn't hear. Did you hear when she said this? Did you hear what he, did you hear what he said there? Did you hear what he said there? He's the most important part of a negotiation. That's why it's good to bring a partner in with you. If it's if you're if you're going for something, the husband and wife both be there. The person that's being talked to and the person that's sitting on the sidelines. The person on the sideline, if you're in negotiation, you can tell maybe this guy's lying by looking at that person, corner of your eye. They'll give you body language like, ooh, or roll, they may roll their eyes. You don't know what they're going to do over there. And in your negotiation, you have people beside you. These are just little tactics. Like I said, this could be very important in everything that you do in life. And everything you do in life. And I just love this. Okay, last one here. 
how do you handle a, a very confrontational business setting? People who are very, you know, and if you're in a place of business and, you, and, and let's say you're in sales or whatever it is, okay? Let's talk about that a second, okay? Let's just say, okay, you're a really confrontational type person. Let's just say a person comes in verbally aggressive and says, your prices are too high. Now we start using all of our negotiation skills. You pause, looking into your eyes calmly. Our prices is too high. <laughs> You're marrying that, aren't you? Just repeated it back to him. He and hit that person confrontationally. Yeah, you know, we can't pay that. You know, I, I've got a limit budget here. You calm. Generally interest, tactical empathy. You got you have a limited budget. So you, you just repeated it back to him. You got a limited budget? Him noticeably now upset. Yeah. Well, you know, we got other things that we have to worry about. There's a lot of things that we're trying to accomplish here. See, they're going to go on and on here. They're going to elaborate and then they're going to give you what? Context. We got a lot going on here. And then they're going to feel like I'm working with them. If you're doing this or feel like you're working with them, they're not going to feel like they're fighting. And then what? They give you the black swan. They'll give you the real information that you need. Especially when it's, the more aggressive the person is, the more you know there's something that you need to know. Why are they being this way? Why are they being totally off-center? It seems like you're upset. It seems like something's bothering you, Mary. She can just say no and go somewhere else. It seems like, looks like, feels like. Remember, it takes two to fight. I'm going to change this wrestling match into a dance. Think about that. And if I refuse to engage in the wrestling, Instead of like when somebody says, my prices are too high, and you're like, no, they're not. You just can't afford it. It's <laughs> a fight. It's a wrestling match now. I want to engage. Then that changes into a collaboration almost immediately. Do you see how you take all this? You take these two, these contexts of what we're doing, get the book, study this. Life is a negotiation. Very, very, very powerful. So if you look at, we go back to from the very beginning, what we started talking here, right? Okay. We talked about the three types of negotiators, number one, the three, three types of yeses, number two. And then, then we kind of elaborated on the yeses, how to get to the no. No is a secret weapon, right? And then we talked about number three, the Pinocchio effect. Then we talk about one to number four, watch the sidelines, they detect lies. And then we actually talked about how to handle confrontational matter in a busy setting. Powerful, powerful information. Once again, remember what I said, the fighter pilots, the blue angel said what? 63 to 65 impressions on the brain to lock in a practice, to lock in a circuit. To this become second nature to you, that you're gonna be natural doing this. You're gonna be a fan fantastic negotiator. You'll be that accommodator with a little bit assertive in you, 
right? With a little bit of analytical in you, people will love to work with you and people will refer you in negotiation. You should negotiate with him. That's just like, that's, that's like saying, you should go to that car dealership. What they're saying, you should go in that negotiation with them. You should don't use that real estate agent. You should use that person. What they're saying is, is that you're a fair negotiator. And that's what we want to be because we want to have a legacy. When people talk great about us, a legacy mindset here, gang. Looking, what can we do? How can we make this happen? How can we have a legacy mindset to be successful, but be significant? Have a fantastic day, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you could think of anyone who would like to listen to this or use this, please share on your social media or text them. We would greatly appreciate that. And a final thought. There's a proverb that says, if you continually give, you will continually have. It's a perfect formula for building a significant team and a significant life. Remember, your legacy is not about what you acquire. It's about what you leave behind. Let's go have a legacy mindset.